you doing? My name is Benjamin Charles Watson, and I'm going to be on Designated Survivor and going to be on TNT Snowpiercer later on this year. And you are listening to Contraband. This is ContraZoom, where we go back and forth about film. I'm your host, Dakota Arsenault, and on this episode, presented by Aesthetic Magazine, we have our very first interview. This is episode two of our new iteration of the show, and today we have a special guest in Benjamin Charles Watson. He is a Canadian actor who is most known for being on the CW show, The L.A. Complex, as Tariq. Uh, He's also been on a bunch of other really great shows like The Killing and Warehouse 13. But this year, he has got a really big career move ahead of him. He is joining two shows. One, he is joining uh, midway through their run. And And the other one, he's going to be joining at the very beginning. Ben is a terrific actor, and he has taken the time to talk with me about both projects, that being joining Designated Survivor and being on the new Snowpiercer TV show. So, without further ado, let's listen to my interview with Benjamin Charles Watson. Last night's State of the Union was an irrefutable disaster. Was the president going to drop out of the race? Congress truly is in a sorry, sorry state. The system is broken, and you people broke it. Well, I really screwed that up, didn't I? Today, I am joined by Toronto-based actor Benjamin Charles Watson. Ben has appeared on The Killing, The Good Doctor, The L.A. Complex, and much more. He will also be on the upcoming season of the Kiefer Sutherland hit show Designated Survivor. Today, he's joining me to talk about his latest project, TNT Snowpiercer. Thank you for joining me today, Ben. How are you? I'm fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm good. Where am I? Where am I talking to you from? Uh, Vancouver right now. I'm just in Vancouver, kind of staying out here, living out here, enjoying the summer, and just enjoying life. To be honest. Interesting. That's uh, that's really cool to hear. Um, I'm really excited to talk about your new show, Snowpiercer. Um, most people probably know that it was based on the 2013 movie, but it's also based on a French graphic novel from the 1980s. Since the story yeah. in the graphic novel is longer and covers more ground, will we get to see more plotline inspired from that source material compared to the film? Um, yeah, I think you will. But also it's, You'll get a little bit more stuff off, more off the film, but in terms of like, it's very well done. It's very graphic in nature, so it's something that I don't think a lot of people are going to be expecting for television. But it's going to be such a relief because it's something new and dynamic, and it's going to be 
very interesting. And just how we shot it and how the sets were set up as an actor was actually phenomenal because walking onto that set, you felt like you were actually on that train, which is something that you're going to be able to see on the screen. And it's it's such a unique and an absolutely amazing experience. Interesting. Yeah, that was something I was curious about. Like the Snowpiercer world is covered in snow and ice. Uh, did you film in any sort of those conditions or were the elements added digitally? Uh, some of the, most of those are going to be added digitally. But the Snowpiercer world in the sense like you're on this train, this every the compartments of the train. And one really cool thing is that the train was kind of, it was, the set was on hydraulics. So there were people outside kind of like moving it. So you're in the, actually feel like you're actually on a train that is moving. So that was a unique thing. But a lot of stuff is not a lot of stuff. But much of it is going to be CGI, obviously for obvious reasons, because it's like the middle of winter and all that kind of stuff. So it's not you can't really do that outside. If that makes any sense. No, absolutely. I know there has to be a certain amount of control that they exert over the set. But I saw a couple of uh, footages after doing like ADR and stuff like that, and oh my god, it looks so fantastic. Interesting. That makes me that's even more excited to see it. Um, now, th- the story behind Snowpiercer, it's very heavy on political analogies concerning things like income inequality, class status, and other social commentary subjects. What sort of ideas is the show going to explore, and how are they going to be manifested? Um, it's going to, like, exactly what you're saying, like, class and all those things, it's, it's weirdly almost exactly in the sense of real life, where you get a sense that based on the amount of money that you have, or the clothes that you wear, or the income, that you're, like, as we know, it's, it's separate, train is separated by class, so you get a huge sense of that exactly in the show, it's, even though it's set in the way, way future and stuff like that, but you kind of, it relates back to our life now because like we feel segregated and there's a class hierarchy and that kind of stuff like that is so point inside the show. And I found it really interesting that it's so relatable to real life. It was like, a, yeah, it was really fascinating. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. Um, without giving too much away, we know that the show starts seven years after the end of the world apocalypse, when in the film version, it's 17 years afterwards. Does the show plan on eventually stopping where the movie starts, or is this sort of like a complete reimagining of that world? Um, it is a bit of a reimagining of the world, but it's pretty close to the movie in terms of exactly what um, happens, but it's it's a bit, we're kind of we wanted to keep the audience and we wanted to keep exactly the same because um, it's such a we wanted to keep the same audience and we wanted to reinvent it and be able to touch another audience that don't actually know, that don't know the actual movie or anything like that so we wanted to make it not different, because it's not different. Uh, we just want to kind of make it, um, I guess, adaptable to another set of audience. No. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that absolutely makes sense. 
Um, the show has has a massive cast as we keep seeing more and more names being added with with David Diggs and Jennifer Connelly being uh, the biggest names. But I'd love to hear a bit more about your character, which we know is called Breakman Fuller, and maybe sort of your relationships with some of the other major characters we'll be seeing on the show. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Breakman Fuller. He is like one of the Breakman one of the um, Breakman inside this train because there's multiple sections of this train that actually needs um, and needs the ability to like have so many people working for it. So I'm kind of like a lookout type of a guy in terms that my loyalty kind of fluctuates between who I think is going to, I guess, help me build up my status inside um, this train. And it's funny because I did a few episodes and then I kind of had to leave the show because I got designated survivors. So it was like, I, all of a sudden, like, it was a break on my character. And then he had to, like, jump out. But, um, yeah, he has an allegiance to just kind of whoever will help him get forward, if that makes any sense. Like, he's not a bad guy, but he's just a guy who's looking after himself. And he's like, especially in the society, you kind of have to look after yourself. But you actually have allies at the same time. So, yeah. That's interesting. So would you say that your character has a bit more in common with... Uh, maybe people of the, the lower classes or the back of the train as opposed to the, the people that he's working for, at least in terms of upbringing or motivations? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely has more of a connection between the lower class individuals because like, he doesn't have... Yeah, he's just a workman. He's just a simple workman that's trying to get by and trying to understand life, and he doesn't have that that's interesting I, I can foresee a lot of complex issues being raised with that yeah and my character specifically hangs out with an actor named Sam Oto he plays John Osweiler and or Osweiler goes that pronounced that wrong but um, you'll see them hanging out more often because John, basically on the show, is almost like one of my best friends to an extent. I'm the one that's always looking out for him while he does the things that you'll be seeing he does on that show. But my character, Fuller, is always looking out for John and making sure that he's not getting into trouble. trouble. So it's we have a buddy relationship. Interesting. That'll be that'll be fun to see how that explores. Oh yeah, it's gonna um, be very interesting. <laughs> uh, how hands on has uh, the show's producer and, and original director of the film Bong Joon Ho been? Um, you know, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure about the originals. Um, yeah, I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. Okay, that, that's, that's totally fair. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure. That literally popped in, and then I had to, like, pop out <laughs> my other show. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Um, th there's been a bit of a, a renaissance of film to television adaptations lately with Fargo and Westworld being massive hits. While there's also like a million questions regarding the upcoming Lord of the Rings adaptation on Amazon, what do you think will make Snowpiercer stand out in this current landscape of known properties being adapted? Honestly, I think, like I said before, like we're, we're tapping into a new audience, a new aspect. The people of the film have already loved the film, and people that don't know the film are going to know more about the TV show, and then probably most likely going to go back and be like, "Oh, this is based off that." It's it's different. It's dynamic. It's new. It's absolutely fascinating. The acting is incredible. The just feeling the world. I think we did a really good job of actually creating this world for everyone, and I don't, I, I don't think everyone, and I don't think a lot of people are going to be like, oh, wait, there was a movie before this. They're going to say, holy shit, this is incredible, and they jump backwards. But this is going to be something dynamic and such an incredible thing. I cannot wait for it to come out. People actually see it because it's a little violent, and I'm okay saying that. It's pretty violent and it's really gruesome. And I think we have the capacity now as human beings, like, oh, wait, this is really, really gruesome and different, and we kind of like that kind of thing. I'm not going to lie. I think everyone likes that. But it's going to be something that I don't think a lot of people expect. So it's going to be going to be really incredible. Interesting. Yeah, I think, I think that was a question a lot of people that were fans of the film was probably going to go into the show wondering is how much the tone is going to match. And I definitely think violence certainly plays a, a big part into that, whether it's necessary violence or, or violence for the sake of being gratuitous. I think they're, they're two different sides that can be explored on, in the same show. Totally. But if we're talking about violence, get that, but the thing about Snowpiercer, it relates so much to the real world. And if we have a bunch, if we have the last remaining humans of the entire world inside a train, and specifically talking about class and society and all that kind of things, like, there will be violence. So I don't, I'm hoping a lot of people are not going to be like, oh, that's just violence because it's violence. It's the violence because we have so many different thought patterns, but we're so many different humans that are trying to get somewhere in life, and they can't really get there. So it's it's mimicking reality and I hope people will not say oh they're just doing that just so it can be violent I'm like no we're doing this because these specific characters are just at a point right now in life that they want to go somewhere and their only outlet is basically violence and I hate saying that but it's it's so pretty for the show that it, just, it makes sense. It's not violence just in the name of violence. It's violence in the name of... It's just you need to get this anger out. And this is like the only way they can get it, if that makes any sense. No, no, I, I totally understand where you're coming from for that. Yeah. Um, did you have to do any sort of preparation, whether it was physical training or, or just to, to get into the character, either things you either watched or read? What was your approach to this character and project? Um, I rewatched the movie and the original, and I just wanted to get a sense of that world and a sense of understanding of some living in an isolated area for such a long period of time and just 
and just understanding what you want and the ability to not only you want to move up in the world and specifically as we from the movie and then all the show like you have opportunities as these characters uh, they all have opportunities to move up in class so it's just trying to figure out what is my overall goal what is like what do you want out of life and thinking about like you having the ability to take care of your family. So it wasn't really a big stretch coming from my real life and understanding real life. It's like, I don't, I don't know what it is, but thing about the show, I'm about specifically Drake Fuller, he mimics my life in the sense that we both want something more. And there's always something more that we want to grab onto and we want to move up in life. So wasn't really that hard. I also just, it was hard because um, being like an authoritative figure or being like a cop is not something that I wanted. I've never experienced that in my, I've never experienced that in my life. So I just researched what it's like to be a cop and I've been to like cop museums just to understand um, that sort of aspect also. But a lot of it watching the movie and just re- researching the movie. That's interesting. Was there any sort of um, workout regimens you had to do as well for, for physical sort of stuff? Or was it all just get to the set and learn any specific fight choreography? Um, didn't have to do any specific choreography because any fight sequence, my character runs. Not <laughs> run, but he uh, quickly excused himself from those moments. So... <laughs> no fine for me but for workout reg- uh, regime just in general like I have um, I try to keep myself excessively fit so before we shot that it was just I was already working out like three times a day four times a week just trying to get my body into shape um, yeah because we were wearing these uniforms and they were great but they were also hot and we also had the buckles around us and they were kind of heavy so I just wanted to make sure that my body was physically ready for that moment. Mm. So yeah, just uh, my typical workout. Interesting. Okay. Um, will Will the show be similar to Lost in the sense that we'll either get some flashbacks or scenes from outside of the world? Um, yeah, you'll get like, a couple. Once in a while, you will get a few like flashback scenes outside. That's interesting, because I yeah. think that's going to add a lot more layers and context to what's going on. Absolutely. Absolutely will. Um, all right, you, you've kind of really shared a lot about what this is going to be like and what sort of expectations uh, people should have, but what sort of takeaways are you hoping audience members are going to get from watching this? Uh, taking back, I kind of want everyone to, um, oh, gee, that's a hard question. Uh, and, yeah, honestly, I want people to uh, take back from this, just understand the capabilities of human beings and what we're all capable of and thinking and if we're put into a certain situation what it would be like in terms of 
yeah, just um, I just want to, I want everyone to take back a simple human reaction of what if I was in that situation or what it would be like in that in, in that sense. Of course, yeah, that makes sense. Um, switching gears, mentioned it off the top, but uh, you're going to be appearing on the third season of Designated Survivor as Dante, which premieres in June. Can you talk a bit about your character that you'll be playing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so I'm joining season three of Designated Survivor, and Dante Evan, he used to work at, well, he worked at the EEOP, which is kind of like one of the subsidiary to the White House. So it's not 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, 1650 Pennsylvania Avenue. So we never really get an opportunity to go into the White House. Just he works for the White House, we work offside the White House. So literally right off the bat, he gets called in to work for the President of the United States. Um, so Caltan's character staff comes in and asks if I can help him with the president's um, online marketing. So that's literally how my character starts off for Jeffsco. <laughs> now, I know you're Canadian, but working in such a politically themed show, did you maybe help under, understand a bit more how government works or anything like that? Like, what, what did you personally learn from working on that set? Uh, oh, man, I learned a lot of things off that set. Because, yeah, it's an American show, and then being up in Canada, we don't really, presidents and vice presidents, all these kind of things, we don't really have that. So before I even started the show, even when, let's say, Trump became president of the United States, I was never more in tune into American politics in my entire existence. And then I got this show, and then I had to research, just understand what a, I honestly, I had no idea what a dead survivor was before. I researched it, like, after season one, I got watched season one, I'm like, oh, that, that's what that means. So I had to research elections and how these things work, because I know there's some parts of America where one, one vote counts for two and all this kind of stuff. So I had to get a basic understanding of that. And then also being on the show, because Cal worked for Obama and his administration, he was actually a really good source to talk about things that I never knew about. It was most that I, yeah, I did so much research and I understand so much more about American politics. I know a little bit. I want to know more. There's so much more I can learn about, but I learned a lot with this show. Now, I kind of want to get into American politics now. <laughs> Did you find that doing all that research uh, made you sort of excited or, or I, I don't even know, like this, I, this contrast of, of learning how the sausage is made or were you sort of like happy to learn about this and understand how government can actually function and get things done for people? Yeah, it was exciting to actually understand how it all works because not a lot of people, honestly, we just kind of go about our daily lives and not understand how the government works or what it actually does. We're just on the sidelines and then someone will pop up and say, hey, this is what's going on with government. And then a lot of people are like, oh, shit, this is what's happening. But I think now, I think we all need to be so involved and understand how 
our government works because it will directly affect us or affect some that someone that we know about. So for me, it was really exciting to learn about politics because I was never really interested until our current president, or their trial, said our current president of America, until their current president. But I was, I was excited to learn about it. I was ridiculously excited to learn about it and understand it and just see how it all unfolds. And I think an amazing thing, too, while we were shooting the show, we shot it in Toronto. We shot it in a studio. And being on set, there's just so much American flag and so much feeling that you're in America that there were countless times that I forgot where I actually was. And then you leave the studio, I'm like, oh, it's snowing, it's cold, and they're seeing flags over in Canada. So it's really fascinating of figuring out and understanding about American politics. I've never been so excited in my entire existence about this. <laughs> I, I feel like I could definitely relate because... Also, as a Canadian, you know, you kind of have a bit of a cursory understanding of how your own government works. But in the last few years, yeah. I now understand positions of the American government that will never be of any use to me. But somehow I know it inside and out. 100%. I think we need to know that. We need to understand these things. Because there's nothing. Knowledge is power. So the more we understand what the heck is going on around us, the more we'll get knowledge. Like it's more powerful for us to know yeah um i guess to kind of talk a bit about your your experience on on set there's differences from starting with a show from the beginning like snowpiercer as opposed to joining one already in progress like designated survivor what sort of learning curve did you have when stepping onto the set of a very popular show Actually, we first went around. I actually was on Snowpiercer and had to leave Snowpiercer and join Designated Survivor. So I had to join. I joined Designated on the first episode, and then we went all the way to text. Okay, that's so, interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, so yeah. All kind of Designated, and then tried to leave Snowpiercer and then jumped off Designated. <laughs> um. You know, you already mentioned that Designate Survivor shoots in Toronto, and I think a lot of people, uh, at least up here, probably know that. Um, but as someone that has that works both in Toronto and in America, do you find any differences on film sets, or is it a bit of a universal language? Um, it's a bit of a universal language, but it is slightly different. It's like a couple of years ago, I shot a film in Mississippi, and I've never shot in the deep, in the south before, and that was like an amazing experience. That was an amazing experience because there's something called um, Southern hospitality. I've never experienced Southern hospitality before in my entire existence. So it felt like home, like a family, and it was just, it was, it was such a unique crew that it felt like my, my, brothers, sisters, uncles, like my mother, it just felt like that. I mean, it's the same thing here, but it's the same thing here, except, I don't, I don't know, it's just a little bit different in terms of you do feel that connection, but then it's also, let's get to work, let's get this done. So it's, it is a universal feeling, but all the, it just, 
it is a universal feeling all around. But then mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm trying to say it kind of depends where in the state that you're shooting, because there's the South, there's the West Coast, the East Coast. They all have different feelings of film or disparate TV sets. But universally, it's the same. It's the same language of, hey, let's work and let's shoot something really, really fantastic. Interesting. I I, I know. Um, you kind of, I don't know how, how close you are, but you at least uh, have some similar acquaintances that I have out in LA, a part of this Canadian actors in Los Angeles contingent. Uh, do you find being around so many other Canadians being helpful to remind you of home? Yeah, it's, it has been really cool because like, yeah, a lot of my, Canadian friends down there, and one of my really close friends I actually went to middle school with. Yeah, middle school with in Toronto, and then he moved out to LA, and he's one of my really, really close friends. So we kind of reminisce on being back in Toronto, being back in school, and talking about the old times and that kind of stuff. Uh, he's uh, also a filmmaker, and a lot of my other like actor friends from Toronto, we kind of we, LA's great, we love LA, we love America, but it's like there's something about being in Canada that you don't get down there. So it's like, it's really cool hanging out with your friends and just, I don't know, it, it feels like being back home in Canada. It's like this overwhelming feeling, it's fantastic. Can you do any name dropping of, of some of these people? Uh, I don't like name dropping, it's a bad name dropper. <laughs> uh, I'm okay. Really bad name drop. I can't drop names. No, all right, that's like, fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're gonna be like, "Why did you put my name out there?" I'm like, "I don't know." They asked me to. Well, well, I'll name, I'll name I'm someone. Really close. Uh, I, I, one of my best friends I hang out with all the time is Ryan Oxford, but who are you gonna mention? <laughs> uh, I, I know that you, you know, I don't know how well you know him, but Max Toplin, who has been on Suits. Max. <laughs> I love Max. Max and I, I went to high Max school Toplin. together. No way. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. <laughs> he was the last person I saw before I left LA, like a month ago, because he had a film out. But the thing is, like Max is so busy. I haven't seen Max in such a long time, and until like a month ago. And then he was leaving for Dubai, and then after Dubai, I think he's on the Philippines, and then Hong Kong. So like, Max lives in LA, yes, but Max is like never really in LA. It's just so busy with everything, which I'm so proud of that guy. But, oh my god, I love Max Joplin. <laughs> I. I understand what you're saying. He was uh, he was a member of my wedding party, and I wasn't sure if he was going to make it on time because he was traveling the world so much. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that's a little bad. All right, I guess to sort of uh, to wrap things up a little bit, uh, it was announced last year that the LA Complex is being rebo- rebooted by the CW. You actually starred on the show's original run. Uh, are you going to be involved in this at all, or is there anything you can kind of tell about it? Uh, so they were supposed to reboot it for this season, and uh, it was just put on hold by the CW. Um, just, I'm not 100% sure why it was going to hold, but it's going to hold, but it's not going to be this season. 
and we're hoping for next season. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be a part of it. I'm not 100% sure, but I was not approached to redo this new season that was supposed to come out this pilot season, as far as I know. Interesting. Yeah. So you never know what's going to happen next season. You just absolutely never know. So I I figure... Yeah, I figure I had to ask. It, it was a cult favorite show, and your character in particular was one that was very well liked by the fans. So I just figured I had to ask you that I got the chance. Absolutely. Like everyone's been asking, I'm like, ah, sorry, guys, no. But it's like you never know. It's just going to be most likely on for next season. So then you just never know. But I think, yeah, it was a cult classic. <laughs> Now it's currently on uh, WC because they're re they're trying to bump up a little bit more of um, an audience for it. So it will most likely be on next year. But yeah, it's it was a great show. It was a really really good show. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I can't wait to see Snowpiercer. I can't wait to see your turn on Designated Survivor. Both of those are coming out later this year. Um, so thank you for taking the time. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to thank Ben so much for taking the time to talk to me. Make sure you are checking out both the new season of Designated Survivor on Netflix and the upcoming show Snowpiercer when it premieres later this year on TNT. Speaking of Snowpiercer and exciting news... Figured I'd wrap things up with a little bit of con talk. Um, the director of the original Snowpiercer film, Bong Joon Ho, actually just became the first Korean director ever in the film festival's history to win the Palme d'Or, which is the top prize for his new film, Parasite, which comes out later this year, which uh, seems like it's a dark, satirical, dramedy sort of thing. Uh, I don't know a, a ton about it other than about uh, it's about two families that are have their lives connected. One of them is rich and one of them is poor, and things play out in very Bong Joon-ho ways. Um, the director previously did Snowpiercer, as I mentioned, but also the Netflix film Okja, uh, and so there's going to be a lot of uh, really interesting things coming out later this year, and I can't wait to see uh, how this movie spreads through the rest of the world. This already looks like it's going to be a huge hit in Korea, and I imagine people are going to be just as excited to see his work on this side of the world. So, this wraps up the second episode, and I'd like to thank Eric and Kevin Smale for making this amazing theme music we have for the show. Uh, thank you to Aesthetic Magazine for presenting the show, uh, and thank you for listening. We are on a whole bunch of different platforms, so if you're just listening through this on Aesthetic Magazine, you can check us out on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and we're going to be a ton of other places, so make sure you stay tuned. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at ContraZoomPod. You can also send me an email, ContraZoomPod at gmail.com. Uh, or, you know, feel free to follow me. I'm at DGAPA on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, let me know what are you more excited for, Designated Survivor, Snowpiercer? What are your thoughts? Are you excited? Do you just want to see the LA Complex come back? Let me know. I look forward to, uh, to chatting with you all. Thanks so much.
Mm-hmm.